This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published monthly by the Masonic Service Association of North America since 1923. This is Colin Britton, Volume 2, Number 8, August of 1924. Lodge Courtesies, author is unknown. Conventions are the rules which society makes for itself, without the force of law, by which its members live together with the least friction. It is not a sin to eat with one's knife or to keep one's hat on in the house, but these are not good form or good manners. Masonry has developed its own conventions, by which its members act in lodge and the anteroom, not to proceed according to their dictates, It's not a Masonic offence, it is merely a lack of Masonic manners. As you pass through the third degree, you received instructions in the rituals and the obligation. You were carefully taught that these essential things which a man must know in order to be a Mason, but unless you belong to a most unusual lodge, or had a most wise brother for a mentor, it is doubtful that you were told much about these little niceties of lodge conduct. You were supposed to attend your lodge and learn by observation. Not all brethren are observing, however. It is not uncommon to see some brother, old enough to be masonry to know the better, crossing the lodge room between the altar and the east. He may have observed that his brethren did not do it, but it is much more difficult to note the absence of an act than to take cognizance of something done. Brethren do not pass between the altar and the east in a lodge. It is convention, and there is no penalty for the infraction. It is courtesy offered the master. It is rooted in the theory that, as the great light and the charter of the lodge are essential to the regularity of the meeting, as these are the particular case of the master, and as their place is upon the altar, the master should never be interrupted in his plain view of them, even for an instant. Well-informed brethren, do not take a seat in the east without an invitation. All brethren within a tiled lodge are equal, and the officers are the servants of their brethren, and not their superiors. All seats, then, might be considered open to all, but masonry exacts long service of her officers. Past masters have worked hard and long for the lodge they love. The master recognizes their devotion and their loyalty with a special word of welcome and an invitation to them to occupy a seat with him in the east where they once sat. From this pretty custom has developed the invitation to a seat in the east to any distinguished visitor or some member the lodge master wishes especially to honour. If all in the lodge help themselves to seats in the east, there would be no opportunity for the master to offer that courtesy. Brethren who respect the formalities of their lodge will not enter it undressed, that is, without their apron, or while putting that apron on. The spectacle of a brother walking up to the altar, tying the strings and adjusting his apron while the master waits for his salute, is not a pretty one. A man who entered church putting on his collar and tying his necktie could hardly be arrested, but he would surely receive unflattering comment. The strangeness of the new badge of masonry 
and unfamiliarity with its meaning cause many to forget that it is important to a mason in a largest clean clothing properly adjusted is to a man in the street. The worshipful master in the East occupies the most exalted position within the gift of the lodge, a lodge which does not honour its master, not because of what he himself may be, but on account of the honour given him, is lacking in Masonic courtesy. The position he occupies, not the man, must be given the utmost respect, if the traditions of the fraternity are to be observed. It is therefore to the master, not to John Smith, who happens to be the master, that you offer a salute when you enter or retire from the lodge, or any lodge. Like any other salute, this may be done courteously and as if you meant it, or perfunctorily as if you did not care. The man who puts one finger to his hat brim when he speaks to a woman on the street compares poorly with his well-brought-up neighbour who lifts his hat. Taking his hat off is the modern remains of the ancient custom of knights who remove their helmets in the presence of those they felt their friends, and thus before those they wish to honour by showing that they had trusted them. A man removes his hat before a woman to show his respect. Touching the brim is a perfunctionary salute. Similarly, the salute to the master is your renewed pledge of fealty and service, your public recognition before all men or your obligation. It is performed before the master and the altar to show him your veneration for his authority, your respect for all for which he stands, to offer your salute as if you were in a hurry, too lazy to properly make it, or bored with its offering, is to be masonically a bore. A man in lodge is the servant of his brethren, if he engages in any lodge activity. Servants stand in the presence of their superiors. Therefore no mason sits while speaking, whether he addresses an officer or another brother. This does not refer to conversation on the benches during refreshment, but to discussion on the floor during a business meeting. During the refreshment, the master relinquishes the gavel to the junior warden in the south, which he becomes, for the time being, constructively the east. All that has been said about the respect due to the master in the east applies now to the junior warden in the south. It is illegal to enter or leave the room during a ballot. It is discourteous to leave during a speech or during a degree, except at the several natural periods which end one section and begin another. Smoking is permitted in some lodge rooms during the business meeting. Alas, there are some which do not interdict it during a degree. You will, of course, be governed here by the custom of your own lodge, although it is to be hoped that you will never lend the weight of your opinion towards establishing the custom of smoking during the solemn ceremonies of a degree, unless indeed you would like to smoke in church. A courteous brother does not refuse a request made in the name of the lodge. There are three duties which devolve upon the membership which are too often the other fellow's business. Every lodge at some time has a knock upon the door from some visiting brother. 
This requires the service of two brethren from the lodge in the examination committee. Someone has to do the work. To decline it on any ground whatsoever is discourteous to the master, to whom you have said in effect, I don't want to do my share. Let George do it. I just want to sit here and enjoy myself while the other fellows do the work. A degree cannot properly be put on without the services of conductors. When you are assigned such a piece of work, it is not Masonic courtesy to refuse, for the same reasons given above. And if you are selected as a member of the fellow craft team in the Master Mason degree, the only excuse for not accepting is that of physical disability. Like other matters hereon spoken of, refusal here is not a Masonic offence. Neither is it a legal offence to drink from a finger bowl, seat yourself at the table before your hostess, or spit on your hostess floor. But the convention of good manners is what makes society pleasant, and Masonic good manners make the large meetings pleasant. One does not talk in church. God's house is not for social conversation. It is for worship and the learning of the lessons of the day. A good mason does not talk during the conferring of a degree. The lodge room is then a temple of the great architect of the universe, with the brethren working therein, doing their humble best to make better stones for his spiritual temple. Good manners, as well as reverence, dictate silence and attention during the work. Officers and degree workers cannot do their best if distracted by conversation, and the irrelevance cannot help but be distracting to the candidates. There is a special large courtesy to be observed in all debates to any motion. One speaks to the master, the master is the lodge. One does not turn one's back on him to address the lodge without permission from him. One stands to order when addressing the chair. Customs differ in various jurisdictions as to the method of salute, but some salute should always be given when addressing the master. The spectacle of two brethren on their feet at the same time, arguing over a motion, facing each other and ignoring the master, is not one which any master should permit. It is also one which no master should have to prevent. Failure to obey the gavel at once is a grave discourtesy. The master is all-powerful in the lodge. He can put or refuse to put any motion. He can rule any brother out of order on any subject at any time. He can say what he will and what he will not. Permit it to be discussed. Brethren who think him unfair, arbitrary, unjust or acting illegally have redress. The Grand Lodge can be appealed to on any such matter. But in the Lodge, the gavel, the emblem of authority, is supreme. When a brother is wrapped down, he should at once obey without further discussion. It is very bad manners to do otherwise. Indeed, it is close to the line between bad manners and a Masonic offence. Failure to vote on a petition is so common in many jurisdictions that it may be considered stretching the list to include it under the heading of lodge discourtesies. In smaller lodges, the master probably requires the satisfaction of the law 
which provides that all brethren present vote. In large ones where there is much business and many petitions, he may and often does declare the ballot closed after having asked, have all brethren voted, even though he knows quite well that some may not have voted. This is not the place to discuss whether the master is right or wrong in such an action. But the brother who does not vote because he is too lazy or too indifferent or for any other reason is discourteous because he injures the ballot, its secrecy, its importance and its value. Few brethren would be so thoughtless as to remain seated or stand by their chairs when a candidate is brought to light. Yet indifference to one's part in this solemn ceremony is bad manners than indifference to the ballot. The former injures only a ceremony, but the latter may injure the lodge and by that injury the fraternity. It is a courtesy to the master to advise him beforehand that you intend to offer thus and such a motion or wish to offer thus and such a matter of discussion. You have the right to do without apprising him in advance, just as he has the right to rule you out of order. But the master may have plans of his own for that meeting, into which your proposed motion or discourse does not fit. Therefore, it is a courtesy to him to ask him privately if you may be recognized for your purpose, and thus save him the disagreeable necessity of seeming arbitrary or a public refusal. Lodge courtesies, like those of the profane world, are founded wholly in the golden rule. They oil the Masonic wheels and enable them to revolve without creaking. They smooth the path of all in the lodge and prove to all and sundry the truth of the ritualistic's explanation of that more notable and glorious purpose to which we are all taught to put the trowel. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, and this has been the Short Talk Bulletin, published monthly by the Masonic Service Association of North America since 1923, for the purpose of disseminating Masonic light, knowledge, history, and instruction to all the lodges of the constituent Grand Lodges of the Association. Content is presented here with permission.